Warning, content not suitable for children. Listener discretion advised, yo. Hey, it's Gefilta from The Gefilta Show, and you are now listening to The Screaming Chewy Show. Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And it starts now. everyone welcome back to another exciting episode of screaming chewy show i'd like to welcome special guest author jennifer ann gordon hey how you doing today hey i'm good how are you pretty good and uh did i did i pronounce your name right yeah i mean i have probably the most basic white girl name possible <laughs> it's jennifer ann gordon i mean it's just it's, it's pretty it's pretty uh <laughs> common jennifer ann but uh yeah awesome. you, you pronounced it right I, I try really hard not to mess it up <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to mess up jennifer even though it it's it's happened before people have have somehow messed it up I'm like oh that's weird yeah that was the easiest name and you messed it up <laughs> I know. really my name's jennifer everybody my age is named jennifer <laughs> <laughs> Everybody I went to high school with was named Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I find your book very interesting. Um, uh, beautiful, frightening, and silent. And silent. Yes. And um, I just read the first sentence of the description, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know that the the first sentence of the description for for your listeners who haven't read it. I think that if I remember correctly, it's like Adam, a young alcoholic, slowly descends into madness. And and usually if if that's the type of book you're into, right then people are like, All right, I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy it. Yep. I was like, I'll read anything. Yeah. I'll read or watch anything where somebody slowly descends into madness. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Oh, this is gonna be good for sure. I know. I'm like, perfect, perfect. I don't need to know anything else. Oh, he's he's going mad slowly, even better. <laughs> you know there's some people out there they're like oh i can relate to this i know i feel like especially right now with uh, so many people being like locked in their houses for uh for this vast amount of time at least where i live uh yeah yeah you, you do slowly feel like you're going mad <laughs> I, I could totally see that too uh i was reading that uh people are drinking a lot more nowadays since the whole covid thing I, you know, I've heard that and I'm not going to, I'm not going to say I haven't been drinking more, <laughs> but definitely the first few weeks of, of COVID, I think uh, the alcohol consumption was, was a lot because we were in such shock and it's, it's gotten back down to normal. 
but the few times we've gone to the liquor store, it looks like Christmas in there. There's like 20 people in every line. People have like their, their carts absolutely filled with booze. And like, I'll go in and buy a couple bottles of wine and the people in line are like, you're buying it wrong. You need to buy more. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I just well, kind of want my liver to survive this. They're buying it like toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People are hoarding vodka and toilet paper right now. <laughs> the essentials. <laughs> the essentials. I know. Um, are we allowed to swear on your show? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. So literally, this is my favorite liquor store story about COVID. I was in line and it was like the first week of lockdown. And there was this girl in front of me who had to be 21 at best, she looked really young. And her arms were filled with, I'm not even kidding you, like 30 of those tiny little, like airplane size bottles of peppermint schnapps. <laughs> the little shooters? <laughs> yeah, the little shooters. And she like just dumps them all on the counter, all these little bottles of peppermint schnapps. And she turns to like everybody in line and she's just like, normally I drink beer, but it makes me shit and there's no toilet paper. So now I have to drink this. Like, <laughs> Sweetheart, you can you can do better than peppermint schnapps. <laughs> and it was just like the saddest thing out of <laughs> like, like, oh, this poor girl. But yeah, like, beer makes me shit and there's no toilet paper. That's COVID <laughs> for you. <laughs> oh, gotta love it, right? <laughs> I know, I did. I was just, I told everybody for like a week. They were just like, how's your week going? And I said, the other day I was in the liquor store and this great thing happened. <laughs> But yeah, it's been it's been downhill ever since. <laughs> oh, peppermint schnapps! Getting, getting peppermint schnapps! I just like seeing all those little bottles of peppermint schnapps made me want to throw up. <laughs> At least you got the travel size ones, right? I know, but then I was like, she would probably have saved a lot more money if she just bought like the gallon jug of peppermint schnapps and just committed committed to drinking that. Those are like two, three bucks a piece. I know. Like you could tell, she obviously wasn't like a a, a connoisseur of of the liquor store, hence the <laughs> just buying all the little bottles. But it was adorable. She said, "Beer makes her shit." <laughs> Beer makes me shit. <laughs> I was like, so classy. And in New Hampshire, where I live, people are normally not um, like you don't really don't talk to people in stores. You just like mind your own business. And uh, if somebody starts talking to you in a store, you you just assume they probably have some sort of mental imbalance. So you just like <laughs> avert your eyes because everybody here's uh, a little bit reserved. So when that happened, like everybody in the line, you could see they were just like, <gasps> everybody's all uncomfortable. <laughs> I know. She said shit. <laughs> no eye contact. I know. Don't look at the girl who said shit. What if she shits on the floor? <laughs> oh, man. I feel like we've, we've gotten a, a far away from my horror novel right now. Just a little bit, but it's good. It's good, you know. <laughs> COVID stories. COVID stories, you know. Um, it's all related. It's all related. <laughs> I write right. horror for a reason. And um, yeah, uh, what what inspired you to write this book? It, it seems pretty dark. It is. <laughs> it is very dark. Uh, so so again, for, for the for your listeners. My, my book is called Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, and it is about uh, a man named Adam, who is an alcoholic, and his wife and his son die in a car accident, and he feels uh, responsible for it. 
and through his grief, like all of his childhood trauma, gets reawakened, and uh, he slowly descends into madness. And throughout this process, he hears a like an urban legend about a, a an island off the coast of Maine that is the island itself is haunted, and anybody can go there. And if they want to connect with their loved ones bad enough, their ghost will appear to them. Oh, so, so he so he goes to this island because he's so obsessed with connecting with his son, his little four and a half year old son who is now dead. Uh, so he goes to this island and he stays in this boarding house with this total asshole of a, a man named Anthony and uh, and a, a beautiful manipulative ghost. And so he he kind of. He, Anthony, and this nameless ghost sort of develop a, a strange menage a guilt of, and they all, like, all their emotions bounce off each other, because the old man, who's a total asshole, is actually a murderer. He's 82 in the book, but 60 years before, he murdered that ghost that's in his house. Holy shit. So it's, um, it's a story about grief and trauma and, and revenge and, and how not being able to forgive yourself over time changes you and so yeah uplifting it's you know real real fun real real laugh out loud funny story very positive (laughs) you know there is some positivity to it uh because it is you know at the end of the day it's a story about people hoping for forgiveness and and hoping to forgive themselves maybe that happens maybe it doesn't uh maybe learning learning how to forgive himself learning how to forgive yourself and and what happens if you do learn how to forgive yourself but you just can't you just can't let it happen so that's the gist of the story Uh, and uh, i guess what inspired me to write it um i live in new england so that's uh it's the state of new hampshire we're right next door to maine where every stephen king story is pretty much set and, oh, nice. Uh, and I live um, about an hour away from where the Salem witch trials were. And, wow, uh, that's so, really cool. So I think New England, as like a general area of the country, has this, um, has a vibe to it that that doesn't exist in, in other parts of the country. Like New England has this really uh, old-fashioned sensibility where if something bad happens, you don't talk about it. Uh, it, it's you know mired in Puritanism from long ago, so it's old, it's haunted, this whole area, and uh, I think I just grew up being fascinated with things like that. And uh, not gonna lie, mental illness runs in my family, so I I often, as a child, had one of my relatives who had um, mental illness living in our house with us. So I I got kind of accustomed to. What was that noise? Oh, that's just crazy, crazy so and so. She's in the attic, and that was that was kind <laughs> of my life. <laughs> yeah, so it's normal. Um, so I've been always fascinated with the idea of of ghosts, but also with the idea of what if it's not a ghost? What if it's mental illness? And also, what if people that you think have mental illness, it's not a mental illness? What if what they're seeing isn't a hallucination? What if it is a spirit? So I like I like stories that walk that fine line between are they crazy, are they haunted? <laughs> well, I love that idea. That's a scary thought, but that that's very real. That's yeah, yeah. So it, like I write horror, but it's like it's gothic horror. So instead of monsters, it's 
that the past still being alive in the present and and the people are the monsters really and, and the memories how, are the monsters much like real life <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I, i love how it makes you question reality you know like yes maybe she's crazy maybe it is a ghost like you were saying that's yeah that's a really good idea and um and there are parts in the book uh if and when you read it that the whole thing that i kind of play with the the aspect of time so so something that might be happening in the present has also happened in the past and and how our memories are connected and if we're destined for something this whole time so you know it's there's there's a lot of different levels to the book uh and yeah the questioning of reality is is a big one <laughs> a big concept oh man uh, and i love um, how it's very realistic but very dark you know it is very dark i mean i just it, listeners I, i encourage you to buy the book because it's my book and i don't have a job right now uh but i also just want everybody to know that it is a dark book i've had a few people buy it and uh leave reviews on amazon that say like oh this was really depressing two stars and i'm like well the back of the book says the guy's kid is dead <laughs> like that should that should tell you it's not supposed to be what did they expect <laughs> fucking rainbows and sunshine <laughs> i think honestly i had somebody email me and she said i thought this was a paranormal romance and i'm like <laughs> that's not a paranormal romance no, there's nothing wrong with a paranormal romance but i mean my guy is not falling in love with this ghost i mean he might be obsessed with her but she is a corpse <laughs> there is at no point in time that they forget that she is dead <laughs> it's not the corpse bride or twilight or something right? <laughs> i know it's not twilight <laughs> and that 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 ghost corpse is is that the the cover of the book is that her with the dress yes it is and actually that's that's me on the cover to be honest that's a photo of me but oh but yeah. nice yeah <laughs> Because I, I remember seeing like a, a dress, right? And I'm like, oh. yeah, yeah. So she, um, the the ghost in my book, she got murdered the night before her wedding by oh her fiance. God. So she's trying on her dress for like, you know, this is not a spoiler. It happens early in the book. Like, you know, it's like the first few pages. Uh, so she's trying on her wedding dress when he he kills her. So that's how she always appears. She appears in her wedding dress and uh soaking wet because he he tosses her body in the ocean to get rid of it and, so. and it was that old man that was her fiance yes yes like way back in 1958 they were in love but he's a sociopath <laughs> so um is she like haunting him is that why she's always following him or something yeah yeah she's basically been haunting her murderer her former lover for 60 years Damn. just just staying in the house with him following him around making his life miserable because he killed her and he deserves to be miserable uh hell but, yeah yeah so so that's like her existence that's her complete existence until this young alcoholic kind of moves into that house to to, to rent a room and, and all of a sudden i, I don't want to say she's distracted but but things from her own past sort of sort of fall into play and And there's a question of whether his, the ghost of his son is in that house as well. Uh, so, so that plays a big part of it. Like, so it's, it's all about human relationships and, 
and creepiness and revenge. Wow, <laughs> I could totally see this turn into a movie. Yeah, yeah. When I was writing it, I have the like when I write, I actually sit there with my eyes closed and I picture it. I picture it like a movie, and then I just I try to write what the movie is. So the way I write is very very visual. Like I just I describe how things look a lot and how the light shines through a window and so it I've heard it the book reads like a movie I People love that like I, I'm reading it and I just like all I can just see it I can see it so well it's easy to get lost in that book when it's that detailed it's almost like you're yeah. there yeah yeah so um so I take that as a compliment I would like it to be a movie someday. Yeah, <laughs> Again, I have someday. no job, so. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking take it to Hollywood. <laughs> I know. I know. So uh, Hollywood, if you're listening, I would like Adam Driver to play the character Adam. I would like uh, Brian Cox to play Anthony. And uh, we you can, got we it can down. Do... I do. I do. Um, and I can't remember the name of the actress that I, I want to play the ghost, but uh, I do have her in my brain. <laughs> Because, I mean, I see some movies that I'm like, how the fuck did this turn into a movie? Like, this sucks. You know, it's but- so bad. <laughs> so bad. Like, who who in Hollywood is sitting there, like, behind a desk going, you know what? That sounds like a great idea for a movie. And it's something, you know, absolutely ridiculous. Like, Scooby-Doo 9. Right. Like, we don't need a 9 Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> or Sharknado, Sharknado 5. <laughs> I know. And... And not to bash Sharknado, because I love a good bad movie. But come on, there's there's good there's good ideas out there. There's, mm-hmm. I've, you know, there's so many. Uh, I'm lucky. I have a lot of friends who are authors. Uh, you interviewed one of them, my friend Aaron Liebold, and uh, oh yeah, great guy. Great guy, and his book is phenomenal. When I read it, I was just like shaking inside. And it, it was just so powerful to me. I'm like, this should be a movie. It would be a really violent movie, but it should be a movie. Yes, it definitely reminds me of like one of those like extreme revenge movies. Like, fuck yes. yeah, where you root for that guy. <laughs> I know. I kept, every time somebody asked me about my, uh, about Aaron's book, I keep saying it's the Count of Monte Cristo meets Saw. Yeah. Because it's like a revenge tale with just like the most awful violence. And I'm not a violent person. I don't even usually like reading violence, but I loved reading that violence because I was just like, yes, do it. Kill everybody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So shout out to Aaron's book, Genocide, everybody. Good stuff. And it was another really dark book. But man, great. I mean, I, I love that kind of stuff, that revenge. I mean, really dark and realistic. You know, a lot like your book, you know, dark, realistic kind of situations that could happen you know yeah they really could you know the the the, the, I think the key to good horror fiction and good dark fiction is that it really does have to be based in reality like you have to get to the very core of that story and think yeah this could happen like this exact thing could happen in anyone like so my main character Adam he loses his wife and his child in like this freak car accident that can happen Mm-hmm. And, you know, our human psyches are so delicate, really. There's only so much we can take before sometimes you break. And and what happens if, you know, you break mentally inside and there's and there's nobody there to put you back together? 
I think we, we all we all take for granted that a lot of us have loved ones we have friends we have even co-workers who if if there was something that went completely wrong with us there there's somebody that would see you and say dude are you okay like do you need help do you want to go get a beer do you need to talk but if you have nobody and 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 psychically psychologically you break what happens so i think that's kind of the the little acorn that grows into the tree in my book yeah and that's the scariest part is that it could it could happen and we take it for granted like you were saying that you know a lot of us have people that support us and love us but some people they don't have nobody and like you were saying you know the person who's crazy and lost him maybe they weren't always like that you know no i know like you know yes there's chemical imbalances and you're born a certain way but but yeah maybe maybe it was just uh, you know you had one bad day too many and couldn't take it anymore and that's that's kind of the the thing i like to write about when the the, the fragile nature of our existence how it can be we can just be you know, popping along one day, having a great day, and then the world changes. And I feel like right now, because of COVID, we've all experienced that. We've all, we were all at work one day, and then the next day, I mean, where I live, then everything shut down. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I, I keep telling people, my book was released at the very end of February of this year. And uh, I was on vacation with my fiance in Spain, at the very end of February and then I came home and my book was released and I had like one week of yay my book was released and then all of a sudden my job uh I'm a dance teacher all of my students started canceling their lessons and then a week oh. later our entire state shut down and so that was March 16th was the last time I I was like at work and the last time my life was normal and the week before we didn't see it coming two weeks before I was in a foreign country and not even thinking anything about COVID. Holy like, crap. You could have been stuck would, there. <laughs> I know. That's the crazy thing. Like, we were hearing people cough and we knew what COVID was. And I remember asking people because we were in we were in Spain and I said, do you have, are people sick with COVID here? And they're like, no, 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 they don't, we don't even have it here. And a week after we left Spain, their, their country shut down. Madrid, the city we were staying in, shut down completely a week after. Fuck. <laughs> I know. I'm like, holy fuck. And my boss, who's a good friend of mine, shout out to my boss, Michelle. Uh, she was in New York City the same time that we were in Spain. And, and same thing. Like, we, neither of us got sick. Thank God. But, like, you just, you dodged something so major. It's like a really bad movie. <laughs> it is. It, it's, a, it's a bad version of the movie Contagion. Oh, yes, you're right. Which, I, I was actually watching that movie. Well, we watched it, too, <laughs> a couple and, weeks ago. And you know when they start doing martial law and the soldiers start coming in and all that? Uh, yeah. And then... Uh, Isn't that eerie right now, though? Like, yes, it's like becoming that because I, I, the soldiers were patrolling the street. And they're like, everyone stay in your homes, stay inside, you're safe in your homes, you know, on the intercom or whatever. Yeah. And then like the next day on Facebook, I saw a fucking video of somebody in their front yard and there's a cop patrolling the street and he's fucking saying that on the loudspeaker. He's like, stay in your homes, you're safe. I'm like, what the fuck? 
<laughs> yeah. And you know, the other weird thing about that movie contagion is it was made like, what, like 10, 15 years ago. And, uh, at the beginning, when the virus starts to break out in contagion, the scientists are saying, we have to apply social distancing. Don't get within six feet of each other. And it's just, it's crazy because I never even thought of the word social distancing until COVID <laughs> happened. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, this was like in a movie. It's just, that sounds like too eerily like what's happening in real life right now. I'm Anthony. I'm Sarah. And we're the hosts of the A period, C period, T period podcast. That's right, the ACT podcast. You gotta put the periods in between. I told you it was gonna be too hard to find. Don't worry, folks. It's not a show about acting. Thank God. It's a show about anything and everything. Like how tiny your penis is. Yep. We cover sex, religion, politics, day-to-day life, and... And how tiny your penis is. Yes, we got that. Well, I just want to make sure people realize that we make fun of everything. Of course we do. We even have a blind Asian that comes in. Yes, so if you want to have some fun and laugh at our ridiculous attempts of humor, come join us on the ACT Podcast. The ACT Podcast. Available on all podcast platforms. Yeah, you're right. And um, now, after, now after the COVID, then we get murder bees and our riots. I know, I know. the murder hornets. Damn the murder hornets! <laughs> Those didn't last <laughs> long, though. I mean, that was kind of short. Right? You know, honestly, like the second people start rioting in the streets, you you get less scared of bees. I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm now I'm more scared of. Oh, I shouldn't say. I shouldn't say political things, but I'm more scared of oh, you cops. Say it's... I'm more scared of cops than I am of bees now. <laughs> yeah, same here, man. It's, it's <laughs> I'm <scary>. like, won't <laughs> lie. <laughs> murder hornets don't seem as scary. A murder hornet trapped in like my my COVID mask seems scary though. So like, if I went <laughs> outside and I'm I'm in my mask and a bee got stuck in there, that would be maybe as the same as the same amount of scary as a cop right now <laughs> yeah like it's, in mexico it's kind of happening too it's not as bad but i was watching in the news i guess uh the mexican cops they killed a guy because he wasn't wearing a mask oh and god so people are mad and uh they actually lit a cop on fire oh yikes okay well i'm not condoning that <laughs> <laughs> i'm like what the fuck that was random <laughs> I just I feel like it would be really hard to light a person on fire. You'd have to really try. Yeah, you have like, to like really plan. I'm gonna light that person on fire because mm-hmm. right? you need a you need the the gasoline or something, and probably somebody else to throw a lighter at him. Well, like we shouldn't he, be talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? We're all planning it out. This is how well, so I was saying this to somebody the other day. Oh, I was, so I um, sometimes host a podcast for my publisher. Oh, and nice. I was talking, I was talking to some horror writers and I was saying like, what is the worst and weirdest thing you've looked up on Google? 
because it's like part of your research. So there, are, like when you write dark fiction, there are things I had to look up just writing this and even looking up uh, about the book I'm writing now that I just, I would hate for the FBI to get my computer and say, why did you look up, can you slice somebody's lungs open with a teacup? <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was like such a specifically weird thing I typed and I'm like, oh gosh. And like, how many rocks can you stick in a person's stomach? Like, <laughs> the FBI is watching. Like, this person is sick. You know, exactly. That, that was my fear. But then, what's worse, like actually going to the dark web to look that up so nobody can follow you? But that, God, that's even worse. <laughs> I went too deep. <laughs> I went too deep. All I was trying to do was write a book, <laughs> a no. book about a pretty ghost. I think I just bought drugs. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've looked up some pretty weird stuff, too, and I can't remember what it was, but, you know, it's when you're just having conversations with your friends, and you're like, can this happen, or what about this? And you're like, well, let's look it up. I know, let's look it up. Like, is it, a, is it possible to burn somebody's ears off? Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, like, can you survive without a nose? You can. <laughs> like, uh, I, I did an episode about the... I don't know if you heard last year, like in November, no, September, October, the Sinaloa cartel in Mexico, they took over a town and they actually fought the government and won. They uh, took Ochapo's sons out of custody. The, the president oh like handed them over. Oh my gosh. Like it was, they, yeah, they took over the whole town and just wreak havoc. And they're like, you better release Ochapo's son oh, or we're going to kill everybody. And, the president's like, here you go. <laughs> and so for the cover of the episode, I, I just Google imaged cartel violence. And I'm like, oh, oh no. shit. What the <laughs> it's really, I, I have to be very careful when I accidentally have it, like Google clicked on Google images when I type something gross in, like <laughs> um, sticking rocks in somebody's lungs. Like accidentally that was, I'm like, oh my gosh, why are there images of this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like I clearly probably like was I don't know, probably looking at some like serial killer's blog or something. But <laughs> it's like it's right right there, right away. You're like, what the fuck? I know. I'm like, no, no, I I just was trying to look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just, like I wanted an article about the murders, not the <laughs> And I wasn't even thinking about it, you know, I just looked up cartel violence and then <laughs> Bam, like there's fucking beheadings and people no. being skinned and like, like what oh, the no. fuck? <laughs> and, and I'm just sitting there watching and I'm like, why am I still looking at this? This is yeah. sick. <laughs> so do you still have family in Mexico? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I still got family in Mexico and I haven't, I haven't been to Mexico in a while. It's been like two years. But, uh, yeah, Tucson's right on the border. Is it right on the border? It's close uh -huh. to the border. That's I'm like two hours, an hour and a half maybe from the border. That's like how far I am from Canada. Damn. Nice. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a little further like than that from Canada, but uh, you know, I'm in a, I could flee to Canada if I had to probably. Are you but ready? They, <laughs> but they wouldn't let us in, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't let us in. We've got our COVID is still too bad here. Canada's not letting us cross the border. 
They're smart. They're smart. Yeah, they're they're smarter than we are. I mean, I've watched The Handmaid's Tale. I know what I know what this is ha- going to happen. <laughs> hey, it's funny you mentioned that yesterday. A coworker was telling me about that about that show. Have you seen it? No, not yet. Oh, it's going to ruin you. Maybe in a good way. Maybe in a bad way. It's you're going to watch it, and remember, it was written a long time ago, and go. How, what the fuck? It's this is what's happening now. <laughs> That's scary. It's like history repeats. Yeah. My fiance and I have been counting time in Handmaid's Tale months. Like at the <laughs> beginning of COVID, we were like, okay, I think we're eight months from full Handmaid's Tale now. And then the other day he said, I feel like we're like five months from Handmaid's Tale. And, and one of the things that happens to the women in The Handmaid's Tale is some of them are sent to a whorehouse, some of them have to become baby breeders, some of them are maids, and some of them are wives. And uh, my fiancé said, oh, I think we're only five months away from Handmaid's Tale, so get your slutty outfits together to get shipped off to the Jezebels, because that's the <laughs> whorehouse. And I'm like, thank you for saying that I would be. Like, that's, I guess, it, in the end of times, that's maybe where I would prefer to be. I, better that than, I'd be a bad maid. I'm, I can't cook. So, I wouldn't want to be a baby breeder or a wife. So oh, that'd be yeah. horrible. Like, yeah. don't they use them as like surrogate mothers or something? Yeah, yeah. That, that that's like the worst one you can be. That or like when you're sent to the colonies, which I think means you just like dig up radioactive waste until all of your teeth fall out. Holy shit! That's so Jezebel's Jezebel seems like the most glamorous of the jobs in uh, our Handmaid's Tale future. Wow. <laughs> This is my sixth sense of humor where I'm like, I guess if I had to choose. Hey, just uh, planning ahead, right? Yeah. I'll just prepare myself in case it happens. Just in case it happens. I have my suitcase full of slutty outfits. (laughs) I can just go. Dress up as a cop, the stripper cop. Oh, you know, I I don't have a stripper cop outfit, but I do have like slutty prison inmate outfit. Nice. I did burlesque for a while, so I do have a lot of, um, like, you know, like, slutty straight jacket. Slutty. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Is that, like, the, when, you, when you, like, dance on stage? Yeah, yeah. It's So burlesque is the art of the tease, um, and usually it means, like, strip tease. So, yeah. like. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, hence why I have a lot of the... Uh, the, uh, the quote-unquote slutty outfit <laughs> got a whole suitcase of them <laughs> i have a whole storage unit of them <laughs> damn <laughs> they couldn't fit in the house anymore so so we had to <laughs> and so if i ever like die in an accident and somebody like looks in our storage unit they're just going to be mortified at like the amount of ridiculous clothing that's in there and uh and an absurd amount of top hats. <laughs> it's all that storage wars. They open the locker. I, you know, <laughs> open it up and they're like, what? Whose locker was this? <laughs> they won't want to touch anything. It's all like covered in glitter. <laughs> and feathers. <laughs> oh man, that glitter gets everywhere. I know. We used to work at a theater uh, to do our burlesque shows. And the, the owners of the theater would like email me months and months after our show and be like, I'm still picking up your glitter. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. And we would have to like clean that place when we were done. And they would like inspect it and say, okay, you picked up all the glitter, but you can never pick up all the glitter. It's, it, it like multiplies in the corner. 
That's why men can't hide when they go for, uh, to, to a strip club. club. Yeah. No, you can't. <laughs> What's that glitter on your face? Oh, it was a birthday party. I know. <laughs> yeah, you definitely can't. And um, so have you written any other books? I am. Uh, I'm, I'm writing a book right now. It is, uh, I'm about 80,000 words in, so that's about 250 pages. Holy shit. And, uh, I know. It's a, it's a historical novel. It takes place in the 1873. It's still a horror novel. Um, and it's about how the, the mentally ill were treated in the Victorian era. Oh, man, is, that sounds know, interesting as fuck. Not good. Yeah. So my main character in that book, she has uh, given birth to a baby and the baby died right away. And her, her husband believes she's not grieving properly. So he starts to basically just drug her and keep her sedated because he finds out that she can't have kids anymore and he really just needs a new wife. So he basically like gaslights her into thinking that she's completely crazy until he sends her away. Fuck. In, <laughs> in those days, it didn't take much to take to, uh, for them to take women in, right? To the no, not, yeah. Yeah, they could do anything they wanted, really. There's a, a list that I kind of look at a lot when I'm writing, and it's like the, the hundred reasons why women were sent to mental institutions in the Victorian era. And it's everything from reading books to having uh, terrible menstrual cramps, to liking sex too much, to not liking sex enough, to being kicked in the head with a horse, you know? Oh, or <laughs> like she wanted to be independent. <laughs> yeah, she wants to be independent. She wanted to like walk outside by herself. They're like, <laughs> she wanted what, to wear want pants. <laughs> yeah, you want a job? Did you just say you didn't want to make dinner? <laughs> Who's the asylum with you? <laughs> Yeah, wasn't there like a mass hysteria about that or something? Yeah, yeah. So, so the book's about that, and um, and then there's another character who, uh, he is a priest who has lost his faith, and so again, that's like reason enough to be sent away. But as the, as the story unfolds, you realize that he has had schizophrenia since he was a child, but nobody knows really what that is. They just think he has like weird spells. And, and again, possessed. it's, yeah, yeah, basically. So, yeah, I'm writing that right now. Um, I'm hoping, uh, hoping very much I can get the, my first draft of that book done by the end of June. And it will be out uh, late summer. And that one will be called From Daylight to Madness. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's what I'm working for on. That too. Yeah, it's a good one. It's it's good. Uh, I love my first book. I love this book. This one's harder to write because it's historical. So I have to keep looking things up. Like this time, boring things like were there Adirondack chairs in 1873? And when did they start using starch and laundry? Like things I just didn't know. Mm. <laughs> so now I know a lot of boring things about the 1800s. But... <laughs> <laughs> But I wanted to make it, you know, realistic because I know historians uh, and people who are into historical fiction would read it and say, mm, she said that there was a window screen and window screens weren't very common until 1890 and it's 1873. There's always people like that, right? They're always dissecting and pick I at know. it. So <laughs> hence now my Google, my Google history is incredibly boring of just like 
facts about the 1800s. <laughs> no, when did they start lobotomy? <laughs> that would at least be more interesting than, uh, yeah, like things about laundry. You know? <laughs> and I, I got a, like a genealogist and a historian to help me with a little bit of the research because uh, I wanted to figure out like, especially in New England, like what the workers were like in 1873, like for like the, I don't want to say the menial jobs, but like the lower jobs, the, like the maids, the people who work in bakeries, the people that work in laundries, uh, like figure out, you know, who they were. And, and mainly in New England, it was the, the, uh, the Irish had those jobs. Uh, young Irish girls pulled out of like poor houses and things like that. They brought you like work as maids. Oh yeah, wasn't there like a slave trade for the Irish? Yeah, pretty much because they they were not they were not well respected. You know, they came to this country and they came to Boston, and uh, you know they they were forced to to live you know kind of on the outskirts of town, and people didn't want them getting jobs. Uh, same thing with the Italians too. So. Uh, so I, I, there's all of this kind of subtext because it's 10 years in the book, it's 10 years after the civil war, but not much has changed. Like the, the much like we are now, like the country is scarred by, by racial tension and unrest, but, but they don't really talk about it. They just like, it's just like kind of that cloud that hangs over the, the, the air and over the characters. Like everybody's aware of it, but nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. That's the that's the New England way. Everybody's like we are aware of the problem, but we are ignoring it. Like the Salem witch trials over there. Yep, yep. Wow, and uh, <laughs> yeah, your your style, I I love it. I love that goth kind of feel. Yeah, old school. Yeah. I'm definitely still an old school goth, like pale skin combat boots still still rocking that look yeah that that's fucking awesome <laughs> and uh let me guess you like you like metal mm-hmm yeah nice i do i do um what's weird is because i'm a dance teacher i don't listen to a ton of music for fun anymore for fun is around in, in air quotes now i listen to uh a lot of a. Uh, there's a style called dark ambient which is like it's less musical and it's more just sounds like metal clanging against metal chainsaws water dripping screams howling uh oh, to wow. me it sounds like like what a haunted house would sound like if it could if it could make a noise that's, that's badass called, yeah yeah look it up on youtube it's called dark ambient and uh I'll email you my favorite dark ambient uh, artist. Awesome, for sure. Yeah, I've yeah, never sounds, heard of that. It's really, you know, it's a it's a, a very small subsect of music that was kind of birthed out of dark electronic music, like out of like dubstep and and stuff like that. So, but oh, it, it doesn't it doesn't really. It's some people listen to it and they're like, "This is not music," but but if you like metal and like dark stuff. Y you'll you'll see the artistry in this it definitely sounds very interesting and uh like you were saying about the like the uh dubstepy kind of like dark have you yeah. heard of a uh, combi christ no 
Yeah, if you like techno, they're like techno-ish, but like kind of really heavy. Um, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but it sounds like you might like them. I'm going to warn you, the wind has just kicked up here really bad. So if the electricity goes off and we get cut off, that's why. I just oh, okay. wanted to let you know. <laughs> or, or it's a ghost. I, or it's a ghost. Is it the electricity or is it a ghost? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I like darker music. Um, even music that's not like metal or heavy. Um, I like it when the lyrics are are dark, kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Or just like weird. I like punk music, and I like a lot of like Irish punk music because I, I uh, lyrically I like it. I like it when people scream and they're angry about society and about working class issues. And <laughs> yeah, I I love that uh that punk the style how it's really fast and it gets you punked, you know. Yes. Makes you want to overthrow the government, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. Again, I'm just going to get a little political. It doesn't take much for me to want to overthrow the government these days. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble or your show in trouble. Oh, no, it's okay. I, I get political sometimes, too. You know, yeah. it's just real life, you know? Yeah, you know, it's it's the times we live in. I think it's okay to be angry, righteously angry. Yeah, and uh, I'm actually part of some punk rock, rock groups on Facebook, Cause uh, sometimes I'll um I'll feature some some music from local punk bands, like nice. I actually uh, made an episode with a uh, Roderick Ed- Edwards, an author. Uh, shout out Roderick, and um, he wrote a book called How to Overthrow a Government. So we made an episode about that, and I featured punk music because I thought punk would go perfect with that. <laughs> yes, and it's funny because before that I would use metal. But then after that, I'm like, I'm like this has got to be punk for this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so in those punk groups that I'm in, a lot of those people are actually going to the riots and going to the protests. And they're all sharing these pictures of burning police cars and tagged up walls and just like anarchy. And I'm like, holy shit. This looks like a fucking album cover, but this is real life. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is a lot of, most of the, most of the protests are incredibly peaceful. Um, and I think they're, they're becoming more peaceful. The first few days, it was, it was bad. And it still is getting bad some places, but, you know, it's, it's a voice that needs to be heard. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes the only way a voice is heard is, I, you know, kind of through destruction or the, the loudest voice will be heard. So some violence. It's like, do you hear me now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, again, I don't condone violence, but I understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, you know, a lot of those pictures you see now of the riots, I'm like, damn, it looks like the fucking purge movie. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have laughed. But yeah. It's, it's like this year's like the purge election year, you know, yeah gosh oh oh the wind is really bad here but um (laughs) yeah it's been great talking to you Um, it's been great talking to you this was really fun yeah yeah for sure and where can people get your books so uh my book beautiful frightening and silent is available on amazon.com it's available on kindle uh, for two ninety nine and free if you have Kindle Unlimited. 
uh, but you can also buy the paperback on amazon.com. If you don't want to support big business and you would rather support uh, a small publishing house, you can also buy my book uh, through my publisher directly, which is breakingrulespublishing.com. And again, the name of the book is Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent. Uh, I also have a collection of my artwork that's available on Amazon and uh, through my publisher as well. That's called Victoriana. Uh, so if you look up Jennifer Ann Gordon or just go to my website, jenniferanngordon.com, and that's Ann with an E, uh, you can get links to, to my books, my artwork, uh, lots of fun stuff. Love your style too. And, and that, that, that same style kind of shows in your artwork too. Very, very good stuff. Thank you so much. And um, what, what's your next book coming out again? Uh, I'm hoping, hoping, hoping for uh, late August or sometime in August. Awesome. <laughs> I just really have to get my act together to get it finished. <laughs> hey, man, I mean, it's hard times, you know, we understand. <laughs> I know. I mean, what with all the drinking? <laughs> <laughs> descending into madness. <laughs> yeah, but with all my slowly descending into madness, it's very <laughs> difficult to write another book. <laughs> And um, like I said, I love your style and keep up the great work. Thank you. It was so good talking to you. Yeah, great talking to you. And um, hey, uh, stay safe and uh, you have a great day. You too. You too. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. everyone thanks for tuning in and if you'd like to support this podcast you can find me at anchor.fm slash screaming chewy gmail.com there'll be three options for a monthly subscription first one i believe starts at a dollar a month yo yeah dollar a month yeah and if you don't want to that's cool you can follow me on facebook and youtube screaming chewy show for some memes some more videos for episodes and behind the scenes kind of deal, right? You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Screaming Chewy. Yeah, not Screaming Chewy, so I should probably change it. But it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks for listening. Peace.